up there. That's what I want to know. We're going to start a new series of messages that over the next six weeks uh, will cause us to follow through the Exodus. Now, I asked Jonathan to read our text earlier today because it was a lengthy text, and I felt like, well, it'd be a good opportunity uh, for him to do that. And uh, he doesn't know this, but there were some big words in there that I wanted him to struggle with instead of me. How many, how many of you noticed that? I mean, there's a lot of, lot of Old Testament words in there, and I thought, well, he's a theologian. He ought to be able to say those words better than me. So anyway, I wanted to be able to do that so that you could get the idea behind what we're going to be talking about. So over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about this idea that God is the God of the movement. He is a God of the movement. I am not satisfied to stay where I have always been. I want to move with God. I don't want to miss what God is doing now. Neither do I want to miss what God is doing next. Wherever God moves, I want to be right there with Him. I'm not going to be satisfied with religious activities. I want to be filled with the things of the Spirit. And I want to represent and expand the kingdom of God in my circle of influence. So I want us to pray together right now and ask the Lord to place His blessing upon His Word. And then we're going to believe together that as His Word goes forth today, it will not return to Him void. It'll accomplish everything that He sends it to do. Will you join me and let's pray. Father, what a wonderful thing it is today to be able to gather with Your people. Your Word declares that if any two will agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of them of the Father which is in heaven. Lord, in just a few moments as we close this service today, we're going to be asking you for some miracles. There are some people in our church that are going through some very difficult seasons and difficult times. And Lord, I've just made up my mind that I'm going to ask you for the miraculous on their behalf. I believe that you are able to do miracles on our behalf. And so, Lord, I pray that you will do those things and that you will let our faith build as we study this passage of Scripture today. I pray that we'll be inspired to ask bigger things, to live better than we've ever lived before, and to live and walk in the miraculous as you pour it out on us. So, Father, I pray that you would anoint me today, give my body strength, give my mind clarity, let my mouth respond to the voice of the Spirit that is in me, and let me say what needs to be said, and then refrain from things that would not be helpful at all today. I pray for the ears of your people today, that as they listen to my voice, that somehow they'll be able to hear and see beyond me and connect with you in the Spirit and receive everything that you have in store for them today. I ask these things in Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. High five your neighbor and say, I'm ready. In 1921, Harvard's football team absolutely dominated everyone. They won the Rose Bowl in 1919 and had not lost a single game in five years. 
until October the 29th, 1921, when the praying colonels of Center College in Danville, Kentucky, can you say Danville, Kentucky? A school with 300 students came to town and beat Harvard six to zero. Can you say, go Colonels? All over Danville, Kentucky, students and fans painted graffiti that just simply said C6H0. In other words, Colonels 6, Harvard Zip. It was an upset for the ages. And they even put some items in a museum in Danville, Kentucky that remain there to this day because the miraculous happened when this small little college defeated this huge power named Harvard. You know, the bottom line of that story is simply this. Sometimes we need a miracle, amen? Sometimes we are facing situations where there is absolutely no hope unless something out of the ordinary happens. Unless all of the things that need to happen can come together at a time and a place where something can change. I would suggest to you today that God wants to change our lives. As I've already said, I'm not satisfied to have another 2019. Not that 2019 was particularly bad for me. But I am not satisfied to remain where I am in Christ. I want everything that he has for me. And I've made up my mind I'm going to follow him with every ounce of energy that I have. Because I want what he wants for me. Now let's start with this. As we follow the Israelites over the next few weeks, we're going to see in their wonderings, we're going to witness two different types of miracles. I want you to look to the screen, if you will, and you'll see these two types of miracles. The first is, there is the miracle of the moment. The miracle of the moment, which is when God shows up and gives the kind of supernatural deliverance that leaves everyone standing in awe of Him. The miracle of the moment. But not only will we see the miracles of the moment, we will see the miracles of the movement. Now, how many of you know that God is not stagnant? God only stays in one place as long as it serves his purpose and then he moves on. Because he knows that in order for us to receive all that he asks for us, we have to sometimes leave something behind. A miracle of the movement is one in which God transforms a people or a nation or a culture through the influence of his redeemed children. Now, I want you to understand that God's now miracle is setting the stage for his next miracle. So what he is doing for you now is not a place where he wants you to remain. 
God is doing for you what He's doing for you now because He has greater things in store for you down the road. I think of that in terms of our church. And I think about the miracles that God has done for us. But God did not do the miraculous for us so that we could just simply stay and remain in that place. God has His hand upon our church. He has given us an assignment. And we cannot live in 2020 on what God did in 2010, almost 10 years ago. God did a now miracle at that time, but He is doing a next miracle now. And I intend to be right in the middle of it. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4 says, Let us therefore come boldly with expectation under the throne of grace so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now I've taught you this, and hopefully you remember this, but this passage of Scripture is powerful because it tells us a couple of things about what we can expect. Number one, we have full access to the throne room of God. When that veil was torn into so many years ago, it gave you and me the opportunity to come boldly with a spirit of expectation right in to the presence of God to be able to obtain everything that we have need of. It tells us that there's two, two different resources that we can expect to have. The first is obtain mercy. Now, mercy is immediate help. It's when God steps in and right now does a miracle on our behalf. That's mercy. We serve a merciful God. He knows that there are times that we're not going to make it through another day unless He intervenes. Our marriage is not going to make it unless He intervenes. Our body is not going to be healed unless He intervenes. Our finances are not going to make it unless He intervenes. And there are times that we can come boldly unto His throne of grace that we might obtain mercy, which is immediate help. And then he says, not only can we obtain mercy, but we can obtain and find grace to help in the time of need. Now this grace that he's talking about here is not unmerited favor like we like to define grace. If I were to ask you what's grace, many of you would say, well, that's unmerited favor. But not in this instance. That's not what this word means. What it means is, is that there are seasons in your life where God will give you an anointing that will allow you to stand in your faith when everything else says that you are falling apart. This kind of grace will hold you over in the moment of difficulty until you arrive at your moment of breakthrough. God is giving miracles of the movement. Now, as we go to our passage of Scripture today, we see that Israel is in a tight spot. They've already been delivered from Pharaoh. They've been delivered from their slavery to the Egyptians. And they are in transit. They are moving from where they were to where God now wants them to be. And so we see them as they are in a tight spot. They've not yet arrived they're still in transit. They don't know what the whole story is going to look like. 
but they have decided to trust God through the leadership of Moses that has been sent to them to deliver them, and they are moving. And now we see them in a tight spot in this passage of Scripture. They have left feeling like that they had total freedom. And then they looked in their rearview mirror, and we saw that Pharaoh decided to change his mind. And he said, why did we let these Israelites get away from us so that they are no longer serving us? And Pharaoh decided that he was going to go get them and capture them and bring them back. And Israel is on the move trying to escape the attack of Pharaoh. And then they look up ahead and they see a barrier. They see an obstacle to their freedom. It is the Red Sea. They can't swim across it. They can't go over it. They can't go under it. They can't go around it. There's not enough time. They are in a world of hurt. They are in a tight spot. But when you're in a tight spot, listen, God will show up on the scene and he will do his work. So there are about four things I want to share with you briefly this morning. And the first one is this. Tight spaces can move us toward divine places. I say that again. Tight spaces can move us toward divine places. God doesn't always open the way in a large way. God doesn't always just open the road up in such a way that you can just walk clearly through it. In fact, the Bible tells us that broad is the way to, broad is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way to heaven, to the kingdom of God. If you're going to pursue the things of the kingdom, you will have to take the narrow way. There is no other way. To get where God wants you to be, you have to take the way that is difficult. You have to take the way that is hard. But listen, God won't leave you alone. He will direct your steps. Look at chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp facing the sea. And verse 4, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and, they, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all the host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And the Bible says, they did so. Now listen, can you imagine it? If this story, how different this story would have been if Pharaoh did not pursue them. If God had just said to Moses, I'm going to give them freedom and liberty and they can go now. They will never be pursued again. They can just go into the promised land and just experience my blessings without any difficulty, without any uh, conflict whatsoever. They're just going to move right in to that place of victory without, any, without having to fight or wait, or have any faith whatsoever, this story would look very different. 
it would look very different. But because God allowed difficulty to be with them. Because God allowed Pharaoh to pursue them. In fact, because God made Pharaoh pursue them, then when it came time for breakthrough, it gave God greater glory because of what he did for Israel than if they'd have just waltzed into the promised land. Can I tell you that if you're going through a difficult place right now, if you find you're in a tight spot right now, our human nature would be, Lord, deliver me from this right now. I don't want any more of this. I want to be delivered. I don't want to have to deal with any chaos anymore. I don't want it. So, Lord, would you miraculously deliver me and save me right now? And God just says, just wait. Just wait. I have something planned for you that is going to bring so much glory to me when I am finished that you will look back, you will still be delivered, you will still be in victory, you will still experience my power, but you're going to have to let my process play out in your life so that I can get the glory that I desire to get through this situation. Listen, Pharaoh thought they were trapped when their location had been divinely mapped. I like that, don't you? You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Because the Scripture says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. How many of you have GPS in your car or on your phone? Can I see? How many of you actually know how to use GPS? Can I see your hands? How many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now? You just type in the address of where you desire to go. And this voice starts telling you where it is that you need to turn right and turn left and go straight and watch the speed limit and be careful. There's road construction up here. There's a car on the side of the road up here that you need to be aware of and be careful of. GPS is, if I can say it this way, it is, it is a mapping system that gets us from where we are to where we want to go. But did you know that the same is true in our spiritual walk with the Lord? He knows where we need to go. There are times we don't know where we need to go. We don't know what the future has to hold. But when we just type in the address that says, God help me, then God automatically begins to map the route that you need to follow in order to move from where you are to where He wants you to be. I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to make a declaration right now. I want you to say this to them. Say, I'm not trapped. I've been mapped. That's right. When the devil comes after you this week, you just look square in his bony, ugly face and say, I am not trapped, sir. I am mapped by the power of God. I know exactly where I'm going, and I have every resource that I need in order to get there. I am not trapped. I'm mapped. Amen. Second thing we need to understand is that where we're going exceeds where we've been. Where we're going exceeds where we've been. Let me ask you this. Are you a creature of habit? Most of us are. We, we kind of in, enjoy things being the way that they are because we can get comfortable with it. 
And we don't want to change anything because we like the way that it is. And so we are creatures of habit. It would be easy for us in our spirit walk to want to be a creature of the habit as well. Well, I, I know what I'm doing. I've done this for several years. I learned this verse in Sunday school. I learned this, uh, this principle from the pastor as he was preaching. I've gotten this from my prayer partners. I, I, know, I just know how this thing just clips off. Just boom, 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 boom. I like it. Don't bother me. Just leave me alone. I have news for you today. God is never going to leave you alone. Because as, you, as much as you might like where you are, God has so much more in store for you if you will receive it. I remember years ago, somebody came by our church and was preaching for us, and they prophesied over me and gave me a prophecy. And at the end of the prophecy, they looked at me and they said, will you receive that? I've never had anybody ask me that before. I just had always thought, well, okay, they're done. You know, they said what they came to say, let's get on with life. But they said, will you receive that? And I said, you better believe I'll receive that. Not only will I receive that, I'll receive everything else that God has in store for me. So I want to ask you today, will you receive everything that God has for you? Or are you satisfied to just drag your butt into heaven right where you are? I said butt. Take that out. Just cut that out if you can. Drag yourself into heaven and just barely make it inside the eastern gates. I don't know, God. It's been hard. It's been heavy. I don't know. There were times I felt like I was doing okay, and then there was times I couldn't hardly make it, only to hear the Holy Spirit step up and say, did you not know that I was there to empower you? All you had to do was ask me to move on your behalf, and I would have changed the circumstance for you, but you were satisfied with where you are. Let me tell you today, in 2020, God wants you to move to a new level of living in him because where we're going exceeds where we've been in verse 11 they said to Moses it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness what have you done to us in bringing us out here in Egypt verse 12 is not this What we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Listen, it's never okay to feel like that we would have been better off living the way the devil wants us to live than living the way that God wants us to live. Yeah, I'd be a very rich pastor today if everybody who had ever left the church because they got challenged by the Word of God and the Spirit of God were still here to let God mature them. But what happens is that we feel this change happening in us, and it scares us, it frightens us. And we start being like the Israelites and saying, I would have been better in Egypt. You know, I would have rather had leeks than have to come out here and to sow the kind of seed that we've got to sow. 
I would have rather stayed where I was than go where God wants me to be. Well, listen, one of the things that God has given us is a free will. You get to choose whatever you want to choose. You can choose the life you want to choose. You can choose it. If you want to be saved, you can be saved because the Bible says he won't cast anyone out. That whosoever believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. So if you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you want to be sanctified, you can be sanctified. Because he will sanctify you wholly. He will lead you and grow you up and help you become the vessel that he has called you to be. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. It is a gift from God given for all who will receive it in Jesus' name. You want to be healed? He's our divine healer. By his stripes we are healed. Do you want to have finances and money? Pay your tithe. Start today. It's the first Sunday of the year. Decide. My money is not mine anyway. It belongs to God. Not just 10%, but 100% of what I have belongs to God, and I'm going to give to Him because I want to be blessed financially in my life. What I'm trying to say to you is, is that God does not want you to stay where you've been. He wants to raise you up higher. God has not blessed us so we can sit around in our pajamas sipping lattes. He has empowered us to expand the kingdom in our circle of influence. I get tickled at people. I really do. I need a jammy day. I I, I just need a jammy day. I just need, and then I need two jammy days this week. And then I need four jammy days this week. I, I, I need me a latte. I need, it when, it, when it's Halloween time, it's pumpkin spice. The rest of the year, it's some other kind of spearmint, peppermint, whatever. I got to have me a latte. For some of us, lattes won't do it. I got to have me a drink. I got to go, go break open that bottle of wine. I promise I won't get drunk. I know the Bible says, be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, I got to have me some wine. I got to have me some. I got to cut. I got to. I got to. I got to. Because we all like to be comfortable. Somebody say amen. God never called us to be comfortable. He called us to be conformable to his will. And the two cannot exist together. So I might have to find me another church now that I know how that preacher. Well, go ahead. I hope somebody preaches the truth to you there too. Listen, I don't need what this world has to offer me. I have been called to expand the kingdom of God with the gifts and the anointing that God has placed upon me. I will not be satisfied, nor will God be satisfied if I just barely sneak into heaven. He has something for me. Listen, second best seems acceptable when the very best requires a reach. Let me say that again. Second best seems acceptable when the very best requires a reach. I don't want second best. Oh, there might be some cookies on the counter right here at the very opening of the kitchen. But I can look over here and see cake 
that looks much better than the cookies that are right here before me. All I'd have to do is just pick one of those cookies up and eat it. But I can't be satisfied with an old stale cookie when there's a fresh cake right over on the other counter. I can't reach it with my hand. I've got to go around the counter. But boy, when I get over there and get my knife and my fork, I'm going to eat me some cake because the cake is better than the old stale cookie and I am going to get to it even if I have to get out of my comfort zone. Do you ever have your spouse just as you sit down and get your lazy boy recliner up and your feet are up and they say, when you go to the kitchen, would you get me such and such? It's like, okay, you know I just sat down, right? You watched me walk in here and sat down. You knew I was in there getting something for me. You knew that, and you let me come back and sit down in my chair and get comfortable, and then you asked me to go back and get you something. What do you do with that? I'll tell you what you do. You get back up out of the chair. You go into the kitchen and you get whatever it is that your spouse asked for. Why? Because you care more about pleasing your spouse than you do being comfortable in your lazy boy. And I'm telling you, God is calling us to a place where we may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. It may be more difficult. But when the reward comes, oh, what a reward it will be. I'm getting ready to turn 61 this week. Can you believe that? Say, man, you look pretty good to be 61. Happy, healthy, whole. You look energized. Let me tell you something. I'm not winding down. I'm winding up. I'm not going down the hill. I'm going up the hill. You can start calling me Caleb if you want to, who was 80 years old and said, give me this mountain that God gave to me. Listen, I'm not slowing down. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I want everything that God has in store for me. Thirdly, trust involves timing and tempo. Now, when I talk about timing, I'm talking about a specific time. When I talk about tempo, I'm talking about a rhythm of life, a rhythm that hits us in the Spirit, timing and tempo. Now, look at this, verse 13 and 14, and then 15. I want you to see this. It says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. He says, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Now Moses, the leader, is telling them, be still. Did you ever have a kid in the car with you that had had about 25 pounds of sugar that day? And, as, and they are, as my granddaughter Jovi would say, I'm all sugared up, Pops. I'm all sugared up. Did you ever know anybody that it seems like that they're all sugared up? Did it ever seem like that you had chaos in your life that was all sugared up? Anxiety in your mind and it was all sugared up? 
and you're just moving here and there and everywhere and you can't calm yourself. I, I was watching uh, Sherlock Holmes this past week, watching a movie, and um, there was one particular scene where when Sherlock starts thinking, he thinks very rapidly. I mean, very quickly, he starts talking very quickly, and in the background on the TV, there are all these uh, graphics that are moving up and down, and it just, it just crazy. It just goes all the time. I went to sleep that night, and I was resting well, and all of a sudden, I went into a dream, and I was there with Sherlock Holmes. And he was talking, and he was just going, 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 going. And the graphics in my head were just going, nah, 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 nah. and in my dream, I'm saying, I need to get out of this dream. I need to wake up because this is driving me crazy. Because there was no rhythm. There was, it was everything was fast. Did you ever feel like your life was that way? Everything was running out of control. And the only thing that you could see was all this rapid movement in your life. Moses is saying, look, I understand. That's where we are right now. We're in a tight spot. I know that you're all thinking about how are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do? What should I do next? And he's saying, stand still. Still your mind. Let God work the way that God wants to work for you. There's some of us that we're on the verge of making decisions that we do not need to make because our mind is just going a million miles a minute and we're trying to help God get us out of where we are to where we think we need to be. And so we're going to try and help God. And we're going to try to do something to help Him out. Listen, God doesn't need your help. God has already mapped your life. God has already put a call upon your life. God has already anointed you to do what He has asked you to do. And if you will ever give yourself over to His will completely, you will discover that you will, your life will go much better. I'm not saying you'll never have hardship. I'm not saying you'll never have difficulty, but I'm saying that the only way that you'll ever have joy is when you are doing what God has called you to do and being the individual that God has called you to be. And sometimes we've just got to step back. And then I want you to notice that after he said, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent, look at verse 15. It says, the Lord said to Moses... Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. So now you have on one hand, you have Moses saying, stand still. Be quiet. Let God do what needs to be done. And then God says to Moses, why are you crying to me? You know what he's saying? He's saying it's time for you to stop praying and start obeying. It, it's time for you to stop praying for something to happen in your life because until you now obey the principles of my word, it's never going to happen. Now, you may think that I'm, I'm not preaching right, but I think if you'll give this a chance, you'll see what I'm saying is true. There's a time for you to stop praying and stop begging 
and start doing what the Word tells you to do. You see, we're called not just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word. Because the Bible says that the blessing comes in the... And so if you're not willing to do, stop asking. Stop wasting God's time. You say, can I waste God's time? You know what I'm saying. You're wasting your time and you're wasting God's time. If all you're going to do is just cry and pray and, oh, God, help me. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Just cry and cry. God says, stop crying. Stop crying to me. Stop praying to me. And saddle up your horse, boy, because I've got a trail for you to blaze. Get moving. Get going. So here you have Moses saying, stand still. You say you have God saying, get going. Which do you do? Well, it depends on where you are in the journey. Because both can be appropriate depending on where you are in the journey. Some of us just need to shut up. Some of us just need to calm our soul. Some of us need to stop giving the devil ammunition. He is the accuser of the brethren. We don't need to help him. Well, I'm weak. I can't hardly make it. I'm a fraidy cat. When it comes to stepping out by faith, I'm just not able to do that. I can't trust God in this area of my life. I can't trust God with my marriage. I can't trust God with my singleness. I can't trust my children into the hands of God. I've got to be one of those mama bears that my wife put an article on about this week. I've got to take care of them. I've got to step up. I've got to be their protector. I've got to be their provision. I have to do everything for my kids. Uh, I have to make them into the softest kid that I can make them be because they've never experienced any difficulty in their life. I've got to this. I've got to that. When what God wants you to do is to let him work in their lives in such a way that he can change them and transform them according to his plan and according to his will. You say, are you saying that I should not love my children and that I should not watch over them? No. I'm not saying that at all. But if you dedicated them into the hands of the Lord when they were a kid, then you can pray for them, you can believe God for them, and you can step back and let God be God in their lives when you have no answers and you have no energy. You don't know what to do. God will say, I can get them where they need to be, and I will make sure that they have victory in their life if they follow me. Trust involves timing and tempo. Listen, there's a time to stand still. There's a time to walk. There's a time to run. You remember when David went to face Goliath? The Bible says that he ran into the battle. Why would he do that? There's no point in praying about it anymore. God's already given him the victory into his hands. Why stroll down there singing some beautiful little songs, sipping his latte on his way for a day's work on the battlefield? Why walk? 
Why crawl? He's already got the victory in his hand. He has the promise in his head and in his heart. It's time to take care of business. And he ran into the battle and he was able to see the hand of God at work in his life and in the life of his nation. So timing and tempo, it's important. Let me tell you today something. God is about to do glorious things. But before God will do those glorious things, you have to get involved in the story that he has written for your life. God's not going to do it for you. But God will do it with you if you will participate with him. All of the power is his. All of the glory goes to him. But he invites you to join him in the journey by acting on your faith. And then the last thing. God works in the moment. God's work in the moment provides opportunities to worship in the movement. God's work in the moment provides opportunities to worship in the movement. In other words, what God is going to do for you today will give you an opportunity in the future to look back on it and have a moment of grateful worship because of what God has done. God doesn't want you to worship on yesterday's blessings. Praise, worship. Worship is about ascribing to God the glory that is rightfully His. Thanksgiving is for those things that he has done. Praise is a time of celebration for all that God has done. But God wants to give us new things for which we can be grateful. I, you know, I, I think about the movement of the church in the last days. I think about how different the church is today than it was 20 years ago. 25 years ago and some of you have been around that long and you'd say well you know I'm sorry that the church is different than it was years ago and I know what you're saying I get it, it goes back to our comfort zone we much rather sing a different style or do a different thing or be a different way because we're comfortable with that listen we don't live in that world anymore this world is changing you know, we're all bent out of shape. Come help me quit, because I, I think if I get started on this, I'll preach all day long. We get upset because of the world that we're in. We get upset because there's unease and unrest in the Middle East. Some of us today were mad because our president bombed a, a guy in, in Iraq, and others of us, were, we had a party when it happened. We have opinions about it. We, we know what we think we know. But did you know that the Bible tells us in prophecy that in the last days that Syria and Iran and Iraq will come together as one body, as it were, in order to oppose the kingdom of God. So I'm not worried about Iraq, and I'm not worried about Iran, and I'm not worried about Syria, because I still believe in the rapture of the church. And I believe that one of these days, Jesus Christ 
at the prompting of God the Father is going to step out on the eastern sky and the trump of God shall sound and he's going to come and he's going to receive those who are in Christ to ever be with him. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. You say, well, what if they drop a bomb on your house and you die? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm all right with it. Listen, I'm not trying to get up a load to go to heaven today, but if God wants me where he is, why should I fear what God wants to do in my life? Well, I don't want to be obedient unless it's something that I want. I I, I don't want to be obedient if it's something that doesn't feel good to me. Listen, I'm not nearly as concerned about that as I am that it feels good to God. That God is able to say, I want you here and I will get you there if you will trust me. We're going to close. I could preach. Man, I could preach a whole lot longer. But I've got six weeks to finish it. I hope you won't miss. I hope you won't go home and say, I didn't really like that today, so I'm going to go somewhere else for the next five weeks. Then I'll come back five weeks from now. No, you get yourself back here because you're going to find out some things that you need to know that I need to know so that we can get where we need to go. Amen? But here's what I have heavy on my heart today. We've got some people in our church that need a miracle. They need a right now move of God in, our, in their lives. They need healing. They need new employment. They need God to do a miracle now that will jumpstart the miracle of the movement for their life. And they need a miracle. And in particular, I have on my heart today a young boy that sang right here on this stage just a couple of weeks ago, sang with an energy like I've not seen in a long time, sang, worshiping God. He's already had some issues that he's been dealing with in his life, and they just discovered this week that he's been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. By the time that they got him to the hospital, his blood sugar was over 600. He needs a miracle from God. Listen, church, we can just accept it and say, well, that's just the way it is. Good thing is, doctors can help. God God has given doctors the wisdom that they need. He's done that. I don't deny that. But what about a miracle? What about God doing something in the moment, in the moment that will change the movement of his life. Why not? Why not? I don't mean to embarrass anybody. Walter Wilson told me a story a long time ago about you, James, about how that when you were younger, that you had some medical issues that they were concerned about. And they thought that those medical issues might dog you for your entire life. Had no idea you were going to be here today. None whatsoever. I sit back there and I see this nice young man back there. He is healthy. He is happy. 
he is whole. And Walter told me that the Lord spoke to him and said, pray for that boy. And he said, we prayed for him. And God worked a miracle of healing in his body. And he has never dealt with any of the effects of that illness or that sickness or that disease his entire life. He is happy. He is healthy. He is whole. He is energized by the Spirit of God. And God has done a work in his life in a moment that changed the movement of his life. And some of you need that today. Some of you need a miracle in this moment that will change the movement of your life. And I've been praying and asking God for miracles today. I've asked this choir to come back today and sing that song that says miracles every, everywhere I go.